And now, this is the Rich Eisen Show. With the first pick, the San Antonio Spurs select Rich Eisen. I don't think enough time is being spent on who's coaching Victor Wembanyama. From the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. Greg Popovich at age 74. Does this extend his career as long as he wants? Earlier on the show, senior writer for Sports Illustrated, Chris Mannix. Coming up, ESPN MLB insider Jeff Passan, actor Adam Devine. And now, it's Rich Eisen. Hour number two of this program on the air, live on the Roku channel, this Rich Eisen show. Terrestrial radio affiliate smart enough to have a serious XM Odyssey and more. We say hello to everybody out there. Great conversation with Chris Mannix in hour number one. Jeff Passan of ESPN joining us in about 20 minutes time. Um, the uh, worldwide leader in sports, along with Fox, giving you uh, national coverage uh, on ESPN on Sunday morning, Fox on Saturday, of uh, the Cubs and Cardinals bringing their longstanding rivalry from the Midwest all the way to London. Give that one a whirl um, and see how the Brits like seeing Major League Baseball in their mix. Remember Yanks and Red Sox did that a couple years ago? Remember I remember that, that was when you guys were cheating that oh, series. Okay. <laughs> Oh, wait. Oh, sorry. I didn't realize this was on. That's no, okay. Uh, let me check my Apple Watch to see what time it is. Oh, there it is. It's half past hypocrisy. Okay. Um, that's the time. Right there. Uh, Chris Brockman in his spot. Hey, Rich. Jason Feller in his spot. TJ Jefferson, who is still not telling us how old he is. I'm 54 tomorrow. Uh, it's a, Nobody cares how that's, old that's, I am. That's untrue. It's untrue. There's three people here in this studio. You and Messi, Rich. Is that right? Lionel Messi, that's right. We yeah. share a birthday. Hold great. on, I got to see where you are on the IMDb <laughs> oh, rankings. Oh no! We'll we'll get to it after we talk to Maddox. We already talked to Maddox. I'm sorry, I mean, I, mean, I mean Jeff Passon's coming up. You're talking about that? There's there's like a list of celebrity people. IMDb fam- ranks, uh, you know, where people are at popularity wise. I was like I was, I was like what 140th on the Oof. list. You were way down. All right, <laughs> sorry. That's okay. I'll I'll take the the hit to my ego. No problem. I don't care. Um, we had Chris Mannix on in the uh, first hour of this show, and I said to him, you know, uh, your takeaway from last night's NBA draft is, and he said, boring. That's what he said, boring. Now, he was there, I'm assuming. Um, and uh, on TV, you know, and, and trust me, I know of what I speak because I have sat on a draft set um, for damn near 20 years now for the NFL. And that puppy moves fast. And the time for first-round picks, you know, and second-round picks and third-round picks goes down. And it ain't five minutes in the first round like it is in the NBA draft. And it still goes fast. It goes real fast. But, you know, uh, what the 10 minutes in the first round does give you is a lot of time to chop it up about the pick that's coming or the pick that just hit. And then five more minutes, one would think if somebody takes 10 full minutes to talk about the pick that's about to come up, and it gives you a lot of time to talk about it. Now, the NBA draft, did it seem to you that they, would, they wouldn't run the clock on the next team that's up until somebody decided that the broadcast is already finished talking about the pick? It even even felt like they waited until Adam Silver started walking out, and then they hit the five-minute clock. It was 
it did, you know, in the NFL, as soon as the pick is in, the next team is on the clock and it's rolling and it's rolling and yeah. it's rolling. And the NBA doesn't seem to do that. And that also, by the way, allows for somebody that you were talking about, TJ, and Sham Sharania to get the pick. Because as soon as the pick's in, I'm imagining they do what the NFL does, which is let the next team know who was just taken. Mm-hmm. And if that team gets extra time on the clock, it, it, it just seemed weird to me. I don't know if this is just from the broadcast that they didn't show the clock and they were moving as soon as the clock was moving for the next team. But the, the issue that I brought up to uh, Mannix about what, what makes it difficult to watch and understand is the fact that players are traded, but they're still wearing the hat of the team yeah. that just traded them away. And then they're putting on the hat of the team that maybe just acquired them or a team is on the clock making the choice, but it's for another team. Because the trade has just been made, but it won't become official until the new league year hits, and that's not until next week. So I suggested a Maddox, and I've said this before, the, the league, the association, should hold free agency in the new league year first and then hold the draft. But Maddox said NBA executives do not want that. And he explained the business of the sport and the way the cap works and the way that they're trying to build a roster with this exception and that exception and this thing and that thing that's so confusing. So the business of the NBA takes precedence over whether the, uh, you know, about the watchability of the draft, quite frankly. Hmm. That's Uh, tough. And it's confusing to watch. You have no idea. And then, of course, this is a direct comparison to the NFL drafting, and this is obviously my lane but everybody that you see drafted in the nfl you've pretty much watched play on a saturday quite a bit as a matter of fact because nfl draftees need to be three years clear of their high school graduation in order to be eligible in the draft last night i mean outside who who has watched victor wembanyama play a full basketball game scoot henderson play a, a full basketball game the Thompson Twins play a full basketball game. Uh, Koulibaly from France play a full basketball game. You've got to be a diehard. you got to be a diehard fan of Arkansas basketball to sit here and say you watched Anthony Black play a full basketball game. Mm-hmm. Brandon Miller, I mean, out of Alabama, y- y- you saw him, I guess. Probably March Madness was the first time we saw a lot of, a these. Lot of these guys. And the problem is also that March Madness, the stars of March Madness, the kid from Kansas State. We had Marquise Noel on this program because his play was so electric mm-hmm. and so awesome to watch, he didn't get drafted. The kid who I re- referred to as the Ronnie Cycli of the 21st century. And again, <laughs> yeah. Ronnie Cycli, for you millennials out there, that includes you, Jay. Thank you. I You're welcome. <laughs> Ronnie Cycli was a guy who played for Syracuse in those great, 80s Big East years yep. who seemed to have like nine years of eligibility he before forever. he got he seemed like to play old like yeah. I'm sure it was just four years or maybe Probably. a fifth year or whatever like Pitsnoggle seemed I like he was there forever right. so Drew Timmy yep. he didn't get drafted nope <laughs> the most outstanding player of the tournament from your national champion UConn Huskies Sonogo didn't get drafted. 
Danny Hurley was on the set last night and his guy didn't get drafted. So that's another issue about the watchability of it. But, you know, um, and the thing that Mannix talked about also was that he wanted more edge to it. I didn't see the ABC coverage. I was watching ESPN. Um, You know, Malika Andrews was hosting it. And Andrea Carter was uh, on the set with Billis and J.J. Redick. And I, this is the part and parcel of, again, it's just five minutes between picks, even though it did seem that they arbitrarily held the clock and then started it again. Um, but there was more conversation, more talk coming from the interviews that Monica McNutt was conducting with the prospect and the family members that they put on the couch. We heard more from that set than from the main set Mm. because picks were coming and, you know, you want to talk about edgy and the fact that there wasn't enough edge for Mannix, and you saw that too. Some other people were tweeting out about there were, everything was too positive and not enough real talk, I guess, or negativity. And not, that's not what we do on the NFL Network draft set. We just tell you how good the kid was in college, mm-hmm. how he may fit in the team that just drafted him. We're, we're not doing the Holy Roman Emperor thumbs up or throw the pick to the Lions, and I don't mean Detroit. You know, like we don't do we don't do that on the NFL Network yeah, draft set. Because you can't you don't know. Nobody yeah. knows how good a player is going to be. Nobody knows if Scoot Henderson can look at Damian Lillard in the face and say, let's play together. And he goes, OK, let's see how it goes this fall. And Scoot Henderson is one of the greatest prospects in the history of the game. Right. And then Damian Lillard wins a championship with this kid. And they do have a parade in Portland, Oregon. You know, you could sit here and go, that's crazy, Rich. Okay, really? You can't, you don't know. But in terms of edge and telling you something that you might think is a little bit edgy, what, you don't think J.J. Reddick can bring the edge? And Billis can bring the edge? They do. You see it all the time. They just didn't have the time to do it because they were going to the prospect, getting an interview from that. On the NFL draft, it's it's uh, years Dion did it. Melissa Stark does it now for NFL Network. Yep. Uh, Susie Culver does it for ESPN. One question and out, and they're on the stage, and that's it. Yep. We're moving on. In the NBA draft, that, that was some of those interviews were taking 90 seconds, two minutes long. Then you go back to the set. It's like, all right, next pick. Here we go. And so you, that's where people think, I'm getting a bunch of happy talk. I'm not getting the edgy information that I need here. And I think the NBA loves, why not? Every league loves to show you the face of the kid that just got drafted, a story. You like the family. You, you, you love the, mm-hmm. the mom or the dad. And, you're, you know, it's great moments. Um, but that, you put it all together. And then, you know, smiling Mark Tatum is announcing pick 56 at 1230 in the morning. And if I'm the NBA, I certainly don't like the NFL hated this, hated those Sunday draft days. Roger Goodell hated when it was seventh round guy asleep at the top of Radio City Music Hall. It gives the indication of like, right, this doesn't matter. We're falling asleep here. 
And that's why they sent the show on the road. Well, that because James Dolan sucked <laughs> and gave them an opportunity to leave Radio City Music Hall. And they have now since totally reimagined the draft. Maybe the NBA needs to get out of Barclays. I don't know. Put it out. Is it the put five it out in a playground too? somewhere? Uh, you know what I mean? Put it in. in uh, Is it extended to 10 minutes per, for pick? So we have some no, time. No, I, I don't know. To me, to me I think they pulled a page out of the NFL, which is, hey, Spurs, don't immediately hand in your card for Victor Wembanyama. Let's 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 let ESPN chop it up for a little bit here. Yeah, because I mean, uh, they took the full five. They did <laughs> last night. I even tweeted out like this is taking longer than LeBron's decision. Like hand in the card <laughs> and get going. And I got some people back saying, now you know how it feels when you're sitting on the NFL draft set and we're waiting for the obvious Trevor Lawrence pick. You know, but the NFL does tell teams at the first overall pick when it's an obvious pick. Do us a favor and hand in the card like around the three minute mark or the first ten minutes, four so minute that mark. Makes sense, right? No, it, it did make sense. Yes, but but telling you know extending the picks to ten minutes, I I don't know. Maybe tip it off at seven o'clock at night. Uh, you know, I I don't I don't know what that that fix is because I, I'm sitting there at nine something at night here in Pacific time, and again. Yeah, I turn fifty four. I, I turn fifty four tomorrow. I'm falling asleep. <laughs> I'm serious. I was falling asleep at like nine twenty, nine thirty at night, and Coop, my twelve year old, is like flipping out because they flew off to camp today. And Susie's like, "Let's go to bed," and he's just like, "But there's three more picks to go." So outside of the twelve year old audience, I'm, I'm, however, I was passed out. I was done. I actually was really keen to see if. Our guy, Marquise Noel, was going to get picked. I'm still a little upset about that, too. It's like we said when he had him on, like just the drive, the the fire, the, the leadership that that kid brought, man. For him, and I guess, you know, once you get to a certain point, I know in the NFL, people would rather not get drafted. Yeah, because right? you could choose where to go. But it's just like you got to reward the kids like that, man. Let them get drafted. And I, but the other kids that are getting rewarded are players that we haven't seen on a big stage in a big spot. Yeah. So we can actually use our own basketball knowledge and and memories of what we've seen before and go, that kid can play, and I'm rooting for him now, as opposed to somebody who's playing in some league overseas you've never seen play before, exactly. who you know has put in a ton of time to one sure, would assume, but... and they're getting their dream realized as well. And some scout is like, that's the kid. we got to take him in the second round. Certainly if you're a member of the Phoenix Suns organization and you don't own a pick of your own well, yeah. You know, you're, you you don't control your own a pick until 2030. Wow. Which is another confusing thing. Pick swaps and you know, we this is a this is this trade involves a 2028 second round pick and you're or or or, right, okay. or a pick swap <laughs> in 2029 and you're sitting there going, "Oh, all right." But if it's a trade involving a pick in the NFL draft, you're like, "What the hell are they doing?" Right. <laughs> we could use somebody right here, right now. That linebacker can actually do something for us on special teams instead of you're trading it for a sixth-round pick in next year's draft. Like DeAndre Swift this year involved a pick in 2025, and even that was kind of like jarring. Like, what? Really? Yeah, I think it has to do with roster size. The, N the NBA draft is only two rounds. Yeah. Uh, NFL 7, obviously. Uh, yeah. Second-round picks, though. We don't see stars out of the second round. It's it's Jokic, it's Draymond Green, it's Gilbert Arenas. It's a 
kind of it. But you can also make decisions in a production meeting or in a truck that adds the edge in small ways around the edges. Yeah. For instance, I saw this on Twitter from the Kobe Bryant draft that TNT was was uh, producing. Put it up on the screen. Look at the strengths, natural score, work ethic, weaknesses, passing, liking teammates. <laughs> That's amazing. I, now, again, I know I'm putting something I'm seeing on Twitter up. Like, I'm, I'm assuming that li- that's it, legit. It could I mean, yeah, Photoshop is pretty good these days. I know that, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I can see that being a weakness. <laughs> but, <laughs> by the way, I mean, by the way, was that accurate or what? Based on what we know, you know. And so that's the sort of edge that could be brought if if that's what's required. I don't know if the NBA would particularly like that or appreciate it. I'm keen to know what somebody in the NBA front office thinks of the way it, it looked last night and came off last night. Obviously, Victor Wembanyama coming in, you you got a, a, a figure that even the casual sports fan knows well, they about, right? Or they will know about. So that's a huge, huge plus. I mean, you're talking about a total difference maker. Um. But that, like, liking teammates. Liking teammates. <laughs> it's so funny. I'm going to bet, though, that that's not real. Do you think so? <laughs> it's probably. Is that I, fake? I can't see them. I don't know. You never know nowadays. I don't know what to believe and what not to believe, but that is really funny. Uh, wait, wait, I'm being told by uh, Mike Hoskins he believes it is fake. Yeah, because there's one with Allen Iverson, TJ, and and his his strengths, excellent speed, NBA score, weaknesses, Hates practice, <laughs> really hates practice. <laughs> but that's the sort of stuff that I'd love to see right now. Right. <laughs> I'd rather host that draft yes. than the one that Manic okay, says, Rich. you know, the draft that, like the 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 hater draft. Yeah, I, believe, I got an you idea. You know, like next hate- next year, res altcast where we have some For fake, the NBA fake draft? fun, yeah, some fake fun graphics, and it's just us. Uh, Chopping it up. Okay. We got 364 days to, to, to figure it out. To figure it out. I tell you what, Smush Parker believed that, Kobe. Uh. <laughs> Liking teammates. Here we go. Steve Nash. Ready? <laughs> oh, so they, are these the same things? I don't know. I'm just, I just Googled the graphic. Here we go. Strengths. Strong point guard skills. Never been injured. Weaknesses. Defense. White dude. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, I don't know if that's real. We've been had. We've been had. But it's a great example of, uh, you know. That's why you can't believe nothing you see. You can't. Oh, Tim Duncan takes one here, too. Oh, what has he got? Weaknesses, free throw shooting. Where are you finding this at? It's literally just uh, liking teammates. (laughs) Passing. Here we go. (laughs) Karen Kittles. Weaknesses needs to get stronger. One sock. <laughs> these are great. I let's, don't know where I'm finding these. Let's take a break. Uh, Shohei Otani is he going to be on the block this summer Welcome or what? Mix. Jeff Passan always uh, enjoyable when Jeff from the Worldwide Leader in Sports stops by, as he will when we come back. It's that time of year, people. Spring has sprung. And that means spring cleaning, or at least 
The partner in your life is demanding that you do it. Whether that means stocking up on cleaning supplies or swapping out your winter clothes for new spring clothes, make sure you're using Ibotta and get real cash back with every purchase. Ibotta is a free app that gives you the most cash back every time you shop on hundreds of items from groceries to beauty supplies to toys. The average Ibotta user earns $256 per year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip, that flight you've been eyeing, or the fancy dinner you've been craving. Join the over 50 million users and earn cash back every time you shop from over 2,700 brands and retailers. And right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 for just trying Ibotta by using the code Eisen when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app to start earning cash back and use my code E-I-S-E-N. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use my code Eisen. Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people, or as you might know from their jingle, O-O-O-O'Reilly Auto Parts. They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offers friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs because you know when you need your car fixed, you need somebody who knows what they're talking about and is helpful, has a smile on their face, and gets you back on the road. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you just... Find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you will find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts knowledgeable, helpful, and the best of all, friendly. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. Sitting on the Rich Eisen <laughs> Show desk, furnished by Granger with supplies and solutions for every industry. Granger has the right product for you. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. ESPN's got a, 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 a double dip on Sunday. They've got their Ooh. usual Sunday night baseball game. And also uh, on Sunday morning, first up, 10 a.m. Eastern time, first pitch uh, in London between the, Cub, the Cubs and the Cardinals. But here to talk about all matters, Major League Baseball. We haven't spoken to him since, I think, before the season. It's been a long time. Our friend Jeff Passan back here on the Rich Eisen Show. How are you doing, Jeff? Excellent, Rich. How are you, buddy? I am doing great. So, where do we stand here in one of the final weekends of June on the Shohei Otani front? Is the fact that the Angels being in the mix for the wild card right now and above 500 taking him off the trade table? Right now, Jeff? Rich, I would I would love, uh, as somebody who um, is in the middle of all of these transactions leading up to the trade deadline, to tell you that we're going to have a mega blockbuster deal at the deadline this year, and Shohei Otani is going to go to a contender, and uh, everything's going to be right with the world. But why would the Los Angeles Angels at this point do that when everything – that they have been working toward is sort of happening, like kind of happening. Um, there's, a, there's a great argument still to be made that, you know, you have to trade Shohei Otani because if he leaves this offseason, uh, all you get back is like the 70th pick in the draft. Mm. Like it's not even good compensation. So 
the Angels are taking an enormous risk if they don't deal Otani, but their entire purpose for this season has been to convince him that Anaheim is a place where he wants to spend the rest of his career because that's what his contract this offseason is going to be. It's going to be, you know, eight to ten, even maybe more years. It's going to be 500 to $600 million. Um, and it's going to take him past his 40th birthday. And, uh, boy, if, if, if the Angels uh, haven't done everything they possibly could from calling up Zach Neto to calling up Ben Joyce, to calling up Stan Bachman, you know, all these younger guys who may not have been entirely ready, uh, I, I don't know what more they could do, I suppose, aside from spend more in the offseason, but they were among the higher spending teams in the offseason, too, this year. So uh, I think Artie Moreno, the owner there, wants to keep Shohei Otani around long term. The, the question is, does Shohei Otani believe that the Angels are the team that he's likeliest to win a World Series with? and? Uh, where is that on his priority list? Exactly, Jeff. That is the ultimate question in the same way that we're uh, coming off of the NBA draft, wondering what's going through Damian Lillard's mind um, for his future and how he feels about staying in Portland, a spot that I think we, we've, we all know he loves to to be there. He loves living there. Yeah. I think he's comfortable living there. So what what is Otani yeah. thinking? Like, what are his priorities? Just is is it a spot that he likes to play in, and that he's not in a spot where there's fifty cameras in his face and five local yeah. newspapers and longtime listeners and first time callers that are freaking out over an zero for four? Like, where, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, where where does he stand on all that? Do you think? I, I wish I wish I could tell you he he does not speak publicly and he's got a very very small inner circle. But the context that I can give you is this: I was in Miami for the World Baseball Classic semifinals and finals, and I saw the look on his face, and I talked with teammates about uh, the intensity that he was bringing to that tournament. And I think if, if you were to give him sodium pentothal and get the full truth out of him, he'd tell you that's the most fun he's had playing baseball on North American soil. Mm. And what was it? It was competition. It was winning. It was the ability to go out and do something for your country, yes, but do something where the games really feel like they matter. And games haven't mattered in Anaheim since 2014 it has been a full decade now of abject mediocrity from the los angeles angels and the fact that they have not built around mike trout uh and built around shohei otani who for a while there were two best players in baseball on the same team and haven't been able to win i think is an indictment on everyone who's been there um like you just can't do that and when you have 30 miles up the road a team that's won its division for almost a decade straight now that goes to the playoffs every year that has a higher payroll in the Los Angeles Dodgers. And that also has more talent, frankly, if, if you're Otani, uh, is that not the, the siren calling right there? Like saying, get out of orange County while you can <laughs> uh, get to a place where, where you are likelier to go win a ring and you are likelier to bring that glory to your career. Um, I, I think it comes down to this. Everyone's going to pay him, Rich, 
a ton of money, more money than he'll have any idea to do with. How does he weigh winning versus comfort? Because he's got comfort with the Angels. I'm just not sure he's going to have the winning. Jeff Passan here on the Rich Eisen Show. Last one for you on this. So is it the next three weeks? Is is that the, the crux of it? That if the Angels go through, say, a swoon similar to the one that cost Joe Madden his job last year, that would knock them from their current perch in the in the standings? Would that spark a ton of calls to the Angels or... Maybe they're making oh, them. They're, like, what do you I, got? I think they're going to be. I think they're going to be a ton of calls, regardless. Okay. I don't foresee the Angels losing fourteen straight again. I, mean, I know they've lost <laughs> two, in, two in a row, and right. for for a couple of days they were ahead of the the Houston Astros in the standings. But if you look at the American League right now, what a fascinating race we've got going on. The the Minnesota Twins uh, are as mediocre as mediocre gets, but they play in the American league central, which is a tire fire of a division. And the team that wins is probably going to be around 500. Then you have the Texas Rangers out West and you can make an argument that the Rangers, you know, are, if not the best team in baseball, they're certainly among the top five. And then the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, out East. And I'm not sure they're going to give up, uh, they're perched atop the ALEs. But after that, and after Baltimore and the wild card standings, you've got the Astros at 41 and 34, the Yankees at 41 and 34, the Angels at 41 and 35, and the Blue Jays at 41 and 35, and the, the Red Sox and Mariners and Guardians are lurking around as well. But it, it's just a muddled situation right now. And so if you ask me, what are the Angels going to do? I think the Angels are going to buy. I don't think they're selling. Mm-hmm. I think they are going out. And they're going to be as aggressive as they possibly can because they want Otani to know that building a winner is important here and getting you to the postseason is of the utmost import. Jeff Passan of ESPN here on the Rich Eisen Show. Let's talk about the A's. Um, it, it feels like it's a foregone conclusion. And, you know, I've, we've seen this movie before when Commissioner Manfred basically came out and talked about the fans that showed up for that protest night. Um, he's just... His thoughts on it was just like, well, essentially, it's it's great to see fans there. <laughs> you know, it, it, at least it brought, you know, a, an average Major League Baseball audience to the stadium as if the A's are fans are not responding to the product that's been put out there on the field. As soon as I heard that, I'm like, he and the owners, they want this thing to happen in Vegas, period, end of story, right? I mean, like, this is yep. done, Jeff, right? Or no? It is done. Uh, oh, yeah. No, it's it's done. And and what Rob Manfred said that day, I thought was the the most tone deaf thing he said since he told Carl Ravage that the World Series trophy is a piece of metal. And he he admitted that he uh, you know he regrets doing that and putting you know putting Rob Manfred in front of a live microphone is uh, always uh, it's always a journey. You <laughs> <laughs> never know what's going to come out of his mouth and. Mm-hmm. He gets very defensive, and I think in this situation, his defensiveness shown in the worst way imaginable, which is uh, that he was talking down to the fans, and that's that's really unfortunate because I think you hit the nail on the head. Uh, Oakland fans are good fans. They just have a stadium that should be condemned yes. and an owner who has zero interest in putting a winning product on the field. and. It's a shame that the owner doesn't take the same approach 
as his front office because Billy Bean and David Forrest, they were among the only executives out there, and certainly the only ones in a market their size, uh, or, or at least the revenue streams of their size, who never went full tank. Like, they just didn't do it. It offended them. It offended their sensibilities. But John Fisher made it impossible to, to do otherwise because he, as the owner, demanded that these guys get traded. It's, it's, it's major league. It's a movie come to life. Yes. And, uh, you know, the, the movie Major League is a comedy, and so are the open days. Oh, wow. You know, because I, I, that is the perfect analogy. It's the, when, Man, when Manfred said what he said, it made me think like he was rooting about messing with Jobu's rum because Rachel Phelps deserves to go to <laughs> Vegas. You know, like that's the way it felt. Honestly, and 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 when I heard that, I'm like, this thing's done. Because I, I was kind of rooting in a way for uh, a sort of fan based uh, grassroots movement that would lead to some to continue the a movie, a Moneyball type run that would yeah. blow things up in a way that say the Super League got blown up by fans, and you know, in uh, in Europe where baseball's playing a, a marquee game this weekend, you know. Uh, but that as soon as I heard Manfred say that, I'm like, this is over. This is a fan base that he's no longer, you know, willing to, or up for addressing. And and then in terms of him saying he regretted something, you're referring to the Time Magazine interview that he had that posted this week. What what did you make of him saying that he he regretted the way he handled the Houston cheating situation, um, and that he would have uh, approached it. Um, without giving player immunity this time around. What what'd you make of that one, I, Jeff? I think it's taken Rob Manfred four years to get to the place where most of the people throughout the game were to begin with. I mean, you, you heard, you remember the comments of players going into that spring after the athletic story dropped. And this was, you know, the, the punishment comes down and players are given immunity. And all of a sudden it's like, what? Uh, you know, Jeff Luno, who was the Astros GM was in charge of baseball operations. So I understand why he got fired. Um, and, and AJ Hinch was the manager and his job is to run the clubhouse. So I understand why he got fired, but let's be abundantly clear about something. The players are the ones who came up with and implemented the cheating scheme. And so for the players to get off scot-free because they, you know, ostensibly were going to give information when in reality, the information that MLB got was not a whole lot different than what was in the original story. Uh, I think it reflected awfully poorly on Manfred, and it looked like the players got away with, with the crime, and they, they did. Like, they absolutely did. Jeff Passan here uh, on the Rich Eisen Show. Uh, I, I think the rule changes um, have really worked out. I mean, you got a left-handed hitter in Arias hitting 400. Um, I, 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 the pitch clock is to me, I don't even notice it anymore. Um, I'm digging it. Uh, I'm, I'm liking it. What's next now? I'm sure they're on a roll right now. They're like, okay, these rule changes are great. What, what's next? Is it, is it, um, making the, uh, the umpires robots? Um, like literally not figuratively. What do you got for me? I, 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 I appreciate how major league baseball is approaching automated balls and strikes or robot umpires. Mm -hmm. um, they're not looking at what happened and what the consequences of 
the pitch clock and banning shifts and the larger bases are and saying, you know what, we're feeling ourselves. <laughs> like we're going to, we're going to go out and do whatever. No, they're being very judicious about their approach and very scientific, honestly, about it. And they're doing studies on ABS and trying to see what the consequences are because they want to really thread a needle if they possibly can. Um, it's not just getting balls and strikes right by using the automated system, Rich. What they'd like to do is use the automated system to change the game. And and by change the game, I mean, they want to get rid of strikeouts. Um, mm-hmm. Not completely eradicate them, but strikeouts have become problematic in terms of the pace of the game, in terms of the action, in terms of balls in play. And they're hoping that somehow they can leverage this system into having fewer strikeouts. Now, it's interesting what they're doing. Um, they they are running an A-B test in the minor leagues right now. Three days of the week, they're going fully automated balls and strikes. Like, uh, it's just very simple. The umpire wears an earpiece, and uh, in less than half a second after the pitch is delivered, in his ear, he hears either ball or strike, and he makes the call. The other three days of the week, though, the umpires are calling the games and players are allowed to have challenges. And there are three challenges per team per game. Uh, and you you maintain your challenge if it is successful. And I think the likelier outcome in the big leagues is some kind of a challenge system. Uh, what's interesting to me is the players to challenge aren't particularly successful. You know, last I checked, it was under 50% that – uh, they were they were getting it right when they challenged. Challenging so, a ball or a strike, Jeff, like so a pitch is made and it might be an inch outside or an, or an appropriate strike call, and you're allowed to challenge a ball and strike under this test? Is that what you're saying? exactly right. Wow. And, and it is it is a smooth and seamless system. It is. Um, okay. It's, it's, done, it's done, Rich, like the whole operation takes like – seven, eight seconds, uh, you know, the, everyone, uh, well, it's simple. You tap your head, right? You tap your head for a challenge. So the, the three people who can challenge are the pitcher, the catcher, and the batter. And when you tap your head, everyone turns to the scoreboard and to the video board and immediately pops up, uh, a graphical representation of the ball coming out of the pitcher's hand and toward the strike zone, and you see exactly where it lands. Just like Hawkeye and tennis, like like Hawkeye exactly, and tennis. It's pre- precise. It's it's literally Hawkeye. The exact same system that they're using. Yes. <sighs> and that's three times an at bat or three times a game. Three times a game. Three times a game. Yes. So three a manager and a manager has no choice. I mean, like, what if a guy just says, "Screw it, I'm tapping my helmet," and the manager could be like, "We yeah, whoa, manager, we got to wait till the manager, seventh, eighth, ninth yep, inning." Yep. Like. Manager has no say in it, and I was just going to say that, like, the game theory part of this is interesting, too. Like, do you potentially blow a challenge in the first inning um, if there's a borderline pitch on a, you know, a a 0-0 count or a 2-0 count or a 3-0 count? Do you use it then? Like, there are all sorts of elements that the players have to keep in mind, and they have to be engaged enough with the game and the situation to understand what a proper time is. You can't just go challenging willy-nilly because – if you give up your challenges and you, you don't have any late in the later innings with a true leverage pitch, then 
uh, all of a sudden you've put your team in a hole. But that's if the umpires are the humans who are calling it, not the robot, right? Correct. Okay. Correct. This is, yeah, you, you can't. Uh-huh. You can't challenge the robot because the robot's, quote, unquote, <laughs> never wrong. Well, robots are taking over the world, Jeff, you know. So Yeah, we need a little AI in baseball, right? <laughs> AI, MLB, insider, Jeff Passan. <laughs> um, I'm looking forward to seeing your coverage of the London game on ESPN at uh, 10 Eastern. Um, 12 hours of coverage on Sunday, including the uh, the London Post Game Show, the Golden Spikes Award in baseball tonight, Sunday night countdown. Um, thanks for the call here, Jeff. Greatly appreciate it. We're a baseball network, Rich. What can I say? I love it. I love it. That's at Jeff Passan. Must follow on Twitter and Instagram as well, right here on the Rich Eisen Show. Okay, we just heard uh, quite the uh, the report um, on the, w- the way baseball might be turning to uh, some technological help for their umpires or just replacing them. And in the middle of that conversation, Rob Manfred spoke in London about the comment he made in regards to the A's fans. That's next. And then top of the next hour, Adam Devine in studio. How about them apples? Yeah. That's how we're rolling on this Friday on The Rich Eisen Show. Let's talk sleep number, people, because quality sleep is so essential. That's why the sleep number smart bed is dissolved for your ever-evolving sleep needs. And the same thing for your partner. So you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Quiets your snores or your partner's? Sleep Number does that. My Sleep Number setting is 60. My wife's is 70. Ten numbers apart, but it truly is the world of difference. The Sleep Number sleep that you get is unbelievable. You will love it. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now you could save 50%. That's 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices make sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs all in before you purchase so all the guesswork is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use my code rich for $20 off your first purchase terms apply visit gametime.co for restrictions again create an account redeem my code r-i-c-h for $20 off your first purchase download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed Back here on the Rich Eisen Show, 844-204-RICH, number to dial. So Rob Manfred, as uh, we all know, the commissioner of Major League Baseball, was very criticized quite a bit. I was, as you know, on uh, walkabout with the fam in Israel. Um, When the boycott night for Oakland A's fans 
telling John Fisher, the current owner, that he stinks and he shouldn't sell the team. He should sell the team and not move them to Vegas. 25,000 fans showed up. Asked about the protest, Manfred said, quote, I mean, it was great. It is great to see what is this year almost an average Major League Baseball crowd in the facility for one night. That's a great thing. Man. And so Manfred uh, today, just about an hour ago, speaking in London, um, I guess as the uh, Cubs and Cardinals are working out, uh, Megan Montemuro um, who is, let me make sure I get her, she's a Cubs beat writer for the Chicago Tribune. Nice. Asked about whether he regretted what he said there, since he told time that he's regretting things these days. Quote, my comment about Oakland was that I feel sorry for the fans, that it was my initial and preference that we find a solution in Oakland. The comment that I made about the fans on a particular night was taken out of context of those two larger remarks. I feel sorry for the fans. We hate to move. We did everything we could possibly do to keep the club in Oakland. And here's the line that I'm sure he will get uh, dinged for. And unfortunately, one night doesn't change a decade worth of inaction. Let me just tell you, because uh, I, I speak this language. Uh, I'm fluent in it. <laughs> Stewardess, I speak, Commissioner. <laughs> I see what you did there. A's are gone. Oh, they yeah. want this team in Las Vegas. The NFL saw what the NHL did. I'm serious, and I don't usually say those words. Mm-hmm. Where is the Stanley Cup? Where are people tipping the cup and drinking out of right now? All over the strip. Mm-hmm. And the NHL went there. The NFL, I'm telling you, I thought a very warm place would have to freeze over before the NFL allowed a franchise in Las Vegas, Nevada, let alone send a draft there and then this year have the Super Bowl held there. And that warm place is not Las Vegas. Phoenix? It's got to be particularly bitter for Oakland to have lost the Raiders to Vegas now to see the A's go there, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But this thing is unfortunately for you A's fans and for you Oakland A's fans and Oakland baseball fans, this thing is a wrap. They're going, huh? It's, he's talking in the past tense. We did everything we could possibly do to keep the club in Oakland. We hate to move. This thing's over. They want a team in Vegas. They see what the NHL's doing. I, I, it's, I think it's a matter of time until the NBA has one there, right? Yeah. Only a matter of time. Right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. NBA will expand. Vegas, probably Seattle will get their team back. Well, they deserve one first, I think. But Well, maybe they, they, they 32 is the number the NFL has, yep. so... This thing's over. And what Jeff Passenger said, I don't want Major League Baseball umpires to be replaced by robots. I just don't. I don't want them standing back there and they're just the human conduit to hear uh, a machine tell them ball strike. Because that just neuters them. It totally neuters them. Yeah as an authority figure on the field. The most important adjudication of the game of baseball by an umpire is home plate. You are calling the action of a ball or a strike, and then, of course, the most important base to get an out or safe call proper is the one that if somebody touches it, 
without getting tagged, puts a run on the board. That's the most hallowed ground to be judged on a baseball field. And if you're taking balls and strikes away from that person, it's just like, well, what are, what are, what are you doing here? So I like the other way, which is three challenges a game by just the pitcher, catcher, or the player to tap their head and say, that wasn't a, that wasn't a strike. Uh, come on, that's low. Come on. Yeah. Or pitcher going, that wasn't right down the middle. I'm tapping my head, and then they step out of the batter's box, and we all turn to the screen. Everybody take a look at the screen. And just like, just like tennis, just like tennis here comes the ball. It's in or out. Over. Okay, now we're back at it. Pace of play still going. You're not stopping idea. to go put a headset on and talk to New York. The machine's got it. So the machine's got it, but it's still in the hands of the human being. I love it. I love that. I like that. Yeah, me too. And if it's working, as Jeff Passan says, without a hitch at the minor league level, I think baseball's going to get this one right too. Just like the shift. I told you all the shift stunk on ice. And I, I, enough of that whole, well, Ted Williams had to deal with a shift. Well, Ted Williams didn't have to deal. Every other left-handed hitter didn't have to back in the day. I don't know. I wasn't there. I'm just assuming. <laughs> but I'm saying it convincingly, I hope. And the pace of play, I, I don't notice the pitch clock anymore. The the large bases are cool. I'm not sitting there thinking this is weird because that base is bigger. Yeah, I haven't thought about the base at, at all. all. This might, I think they got this one.